Okay, Beruchim Abayim, welcome everyone. We're continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number 35. This class, I'm going to need a little bit of your patience. But it's going to be worthwhile. Because together, we're going to, Be'ezrat Hashem, uncover one of the most important assets that we're going to need in life. Obviously, everything that we do in life, we want to be matzliach, we want to be successful. Whether it's school, whether it's a marriage, whether it's children, whether it's a business, whether it's a project that we're involved in, the smallest, the largest, everybody only gets involved in things because they wish for Hatzlaha. They wish for success. Now as you know, success has no formula. When I mean it has no formula, it means that you can be the smartest person and fail. You could be the most popular and fail. You could be the strongest and fail. There's no real formula when we find success in anything. Sometimes you're shocked. How could this person be so matzliah? They don't even understand anything. How could this person has no real connections? They're matzliah. There's no real formula that a person can say, Oh, I got it. If I have this, I'm going to be matzliach. It doesn't work like that. But there is something that if we would have it, I think we would all agree, then there's no way that we can fail. And that's what we call in Aramaic, we call it si'ata dishmayah. Siata Dishmaya means heavenly assistance. If Hashem is going to assist you or me in anything that we do, there's no way that you can fail. That's obvious. That makes sense. That's why Hazal tells us, for example, by marriage, Ish ve'isha zachu. If a man and a woman, a husband and wife, if they have the zechut, if they have the merit, shechina b'nehem, the shechina will be with them. Hashem will say, I'm a partner in this marriage. If Hashem is a partner in your marriage, then you have siyata dishmaya. Let me just say clearly, siyata dishmaya does not mean that your life will be easy. Nobody's promising that. Because life is not meant to be easy. Siata dishmaya means you'll be successful. You'll be matzliah. You may have to work hard. You may have to struggle. You may have to jump hurdles. But ultimately, you will be matzliah. There's a story they say about some Talmidim of the Baal Shem Tov that they were sitting 
on Motzei Shabbat, and when they were reading a, t- a tefillah, a prayer, a prayer that we say during the uh, Yamim Noraim, we say it in Elul by Selichot. I'm sure everybody is familiar when we ask for Share Torah, Share Teshuvah, we answer Amen. We give all according to the Aleph Bet, we say all the different Sha'arez. Share Rahamim, Share Refuash Lema. So the Hazan would say it and everyone says Amen. So this Motza'e Shabbat, these Talmidim were having a debate. What is the most important Sha'areh? Which, which one? If we had to pick one from all of the Aleph Bet that we say, what's the one that's most important? So Talmidim, each one had his opinion. One of them said Sha'areh Torah. Without Torah, how, how that's the biggest and most important. The Beracha comes from the Torah. Others said Share Tefillah. Others said Share Tzedakah. Share Refuah. Each one had his opinion and had very good reason for what they said. So the story goes that the daughter of the Baal Shem Tov, her name was Adel, she was a tzaddiket, and she heard them talking and she said from the room, that the most important one is Share Siata Dishmaya. Now, if you look in the Sefaradi Mahzurim, you will not find Share Siata Dishmaya. It's not there. But we say Share Aizra. The word Siata means help. Aizra means help. Share Aizra means we're asking for help, obviously, not from people. We're asking for help from Hashem. It's the same idea. And the Baal Shem Tov was very happy and agreed with his daughter. The bottom line is that there's nothing more important that you can have in anything that you're doing in your life. Again, even coming to a class like this, you need Siyata Dishmaya. Just to get here, you need Siyata Dishmaya. Just to park, you need Siyata Dishmaya. Just to understand what's going on. People go to a class and they walk out. And they missed it. They didn't understand it. Or maybe they thought they understood it. They forget it. In anything that we do, we need Siyat HaDashmaya. No matter what it is. In holy things, in mundane things. Hazal tell us an example of what can be accomplished with Siyat HaDashmaya. Hazal say that the Yetzir Hara is Mitgaber. Mitgaber means get stronger. As you get Bechol Yom, every day. Um bakesh hamito, which means it's looking to destroy us. He says, If not that Hashem will help the person, en yacholo. En yacholo means that we do not stand a chance against the powerful Yetzirah. The Gemara elsewhere says that he's made of fire and we are flesh. What chance does flesh stand in the face of fire? Impossible. What Hazal is telling us here is that even the impossible, the impossible, now none of us probably get involved in anything that we think the results are impossible. But they're telling you here, even if the results would be impossible, according to norm, 
But if Hashem helps you, then it's possible. Siyata Dishmaya is something that all of us should be asking for and all of us should want because with it, we will succeed. There is no failure when Hashem says, I'm putting my hand in your marriage. I'm putting my hand in your house. I'm putting my hand in your business. I'm putting my hand in your learning. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Now, the question is, how does a person get siyata dishmaya? That's a very important question. So we see in the Torah, probably the, formest, the, 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 the greatest form of siyata dishmaya is when Am Yisrael built the Mishkan. Why do I say that's the biggest siyata dishmaya? Because the Pasuk says, Ve'asuli mikdash. Hashem says, make for me a mikdash. Ve'shachanti betocham. No greater siyata dishmaya than that. Hashem says, I, through the Mishkan, not I'm going to reside in the Mishkan. Veshachanti betocham. Betocham, plural. Means, with every single one of the Jewish people, I will be shochen. I will come down and be with them. Where? How? Veasuli mikdash. If they make the Mishkan, or the Beta mikdash, then they will have siyata How is it that the Mishkan, or the Beta mikdash, will have this power, just by making a mishkan, you're going to have siyata dishmaya. So Hazal say, ve'asuli, the word li, what does li mean? They make for me. Really, we're making for us, not for him. If I tell you, do this and Hashem will help you, you're doing it for you, not for him. Why does it say ve'asuli mishkan? So here's the secret. The secret is ve'asuli, li means lishmi. Do it lishma. If you built a mishkan lishma, if you built the beta mikdash lishma, I'm going to explain the word lishma in a few minutes. But if you build it lishma, then veshachanti betocham. If in the beta mikdash while building, they find a beautiful, beautiful stone that was cut for whatever reason, not for the Mikdash, they're not allowed to use it. Because everything you do in the building of the Mishkan has to be Lishma. The word Lishma means for its intended purpose. You cannot just take a rock from the mountain for, that was taken for someone's kitchen and say, oh, now I want it so beautiful. Let me use it in the Beta Mikdash. It doesn't work like that. Everything has to be done lishma, not the physical act. The physical act of cutting a rock is the same. But the intentions behind what you're doing has to be lishma. If you build the mishkan lishma, ve'asuli mikdash, if you do it lishma, ve'shachanti betocham. I want to share with you a beautiful, beautiful story that probably most of you know. But I'm not sure if we know it in the way we're going to explain it. As you know, for hundreds of years, 
The Jewish people were, were in Eretz Israel. We came with Yoshua Binun after 40 years in the desert. And the dream of the Jewish people was to build the Bet HaMikdash. That was the goal. But it didn't happen so quickly. Hundreds of years, they're waiting for that moment. First, they needed to find the place. That in itself was a problem. They were never told where it would be. So they didn't even know where to start building. Finally, hundreds of years later, David HaMelech was the one who found the place. Hashem says, that's the one. And now he starts preparing the materials to build the Bet HaMikdash. That was a great moment in Jewish history. Just like today we're waiting for Mashiach. If I told you Mashiach is coming right now, you say, wow, this is a moment in Jewish history. We're waiting for thousands of years for this moment. In those days, they were waiting for the building of the Bet HaMikdash. And finally, David HaMelech was able to get to the right spot. David HaMelech started to get all the materials to build the Bet HaMikdash. Everything is going great. Excitement's in the air. David HaMelech, of course, is ready to do his job. Hashem tells him, you, David HaMelech, you cannot build the Bet HaMikdash. Why? What did he do? He tells him, Dam Larov Shafachta, which means that you, David HaMelech, have spilled a lot of blood. A lot of blood came through your hands. David HaMelech was not a man who was able to relax for most of his life. He was fighting wars against enemies. Hashem tells him, too much blood has been spilled with your hand. You have fought very large wars, big wars. Therefore, you cannot build the Beit HaMikdash for me. So the question over here is, so okay, it makes sense. The Beit HaMikdash is a place of shalom. It's a place that gives life. The one who killed is not the right one to go and build the Beit HaMikdash. Just like the Torah says that you're not allowed to use metal when you're building the Beit HaMikdash. Because metal is made to, for, for weapons, kills people. So even though it's not the same metal, but the idea of metal is not the right way to build the Beit HaMikdash. Fine. So Hashem says, David HaMelech, you can't do it. You're disqualified. However, if we looked at it honestly, if I was David HaMelech, I would say, what do you mean? I didn't, what do you think, I fought wars to expand my own wealth? You think I'm trying to take over new countries for my honor? The wars that David HaMelech fought were wars of mitzvah. He had to fight them. You think he was interested in fighting? That's why Hashem put him in life. He had to fight. So if I was David HaMelech, I would say, what do you mean? I spilled blood. Every blood that I spilled was for a mitzvah. I had to do that. Could you imagine telling a mohel that, you know what? You can't build the Beit HaMikdash because you spilled a lot of blood in your life. So you can't build the Beit HaMikdash. What are you talking about? I was doing a mitzvah every time. Tell a shohet, you can't be 
the builder of the Beit HaMikdash, because you spilled blood. You told me to. What does that mean? Says Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, Allah wa Shalom, an unbelievable thing. Rav Chaim Shmulevitz says, if you look in the Pesukim, you will realize there's something deeper here than what it seems when we first read it. Hashem told David HaMelech, Lo bayit lishmi. You cannot build the Beta Migdash lishma. You can't do it. Why not? Says Rabbi Chaim is because the Pasuk says in the Navi that this place called the Beta Migdash, when it will be up and running, Hashem says that there will be shalom in Am Yisrael. The enemies will no longer be able to bring us suffering. Mean the enemies that were giving us a hard time with the Bet Mikdash running the right way, it's not going to happen. Says Rav Shmulevitz, David Melech his whole life, what's he waiting for? Peace. So he could sit in the Bet Midrash, he could learn, he could teach Torah. You think he wants to be on the battlefield? We, we sometimes in life go through difficult times. And we know we have to go through them. And we do our best to get through them. But we just wait for the moment where things just settle down to go back to normal life. Where we can do what we do best. When it's shalom. So David Melech, he's dreaming of the day when he could just sit and relax and do his avodat Hashem, not in war. Where he could open his Gemara and learn. He could teach Torah. That's what he wants. And guess what? If the Beta Mikdash will be built in his time, he is guaranteed that he is going to have exactly what he's looking for. He's going to have Shalom. He's going to have Menuha. Hashem tells him, Lord Tivne Bayit Lishmi, you cannot build the Beta Mikdash Lishma. You're not capable of building the Beit HaMikdash Lishma. Because since the benefit is so great for you, that it's going to be very hard to do it for the right reasons. What is David HaMelech going to think when he's building the Mishkan? About Shalom, about his own personal gain. He's not going to do it because Hashem told him. Who is going to do it the right way? Look what he says. Hashem tells him, your son Shalomo, your son Shalomo, he will build the Beit HaMikdash. Look what he says, Hashem tells him. ish menuha. Why is Shalomo more capable than David? Because Shalomo was an ish menuha. Ish menuha means he was a man. In his lifetime, there was no war. It was menuha. Shlomo HaMelech lived with peace of mind. Hu yivneh bayit lishmi, says the Pasuk. He will be capable to do it because Hashem said. He's not thinking about any personal gain here. He's doing it lishma. Hashem said to build the Beit HaMikdash, I'm doing it. David HaMelech, Hashem says you can't do it. Can't, or maybe it's too hard. You're not going to do it because you have your own personal agenda. 
So back to our question. How do you get siyata dishmaya in your life? So there's one simple thing you have to do. In anything that you do, you do it lishma. Again, we're going to explain soon what lishma means. But if you do it lishma, if you're married lishma, if you're raising a child lishma, if you're teaching Torah lishma, if you're working lishma, if you're going to class lishma, whatever you're doing lishma, you should be looking forward for si'ata dishmaya. Hashem is going to say, put me in, I'm a partner in this project, whatever it is that you're doing. You know, the Gaon Vilna says that if a synagogue would be built by builders who worked with only the purest of intentions, if the builders were lishma, he says the sanctity, the kedusha of that building will be so great, he says, that people would never be able to talk in that Bet Because the Kedusha would be so powerful if it was built Lishma. <clears throat> There's a famous story, by the way, of a great rabbi of Chaim of Elijah. He was like the, we'll call him the father of the yeshiva world. And he had a great idea to open up a yeshiva with all the way yeshivas, people of course always used to learn in yeshiva too. But the way the modern yeshivas run, Chaim Avilin had an idea of how it would run. How long they would learn, when would lunch be, how would the shiurim go. He had a whole idea of how to do it. He came very excited to his rabbi, the Gaon Vilna, to present him with the idea how he's going to open a yeshiva and it will start to spread through different parts, different cities. And when he came to his rabbi, the Gaon, he heard him out, no response. He didn't tell him yes, he didn't tell him no, he didn't show any excitement. He just ignored his question, and they went on to their next topic. He was very surprised. He thought he had the idea of the century, and now all of a sudden, there's no, uh, his rabbi doesn't even answer him. He doesn't even tell him that I love it, nothing, no answer. He was obviously disappointed. He went home. Whenever he came back some time later, months, I don't know exactly when. And he figured, you know, it's important enough. He's going to go and ask him again. This time he wasn't as excited. You know, the first time he came, he was very into it. This time, already his disappointment got the better of him. But he's going to ask again. So he went to ask his rabbi again. He has this idea for the yeshiva. And this time the Gaon told him, great, beautiful, I love it. Do it. Wow. He was very excited. He told his rabbi he couldn't control himself. But what happened last time? I asked you the same question months ago. You didn't respond. Why now? He told him that when I saw you the first time asking, I saw such an excitement to build the yeshiva. He said, I was worried that you were so excited that you were doing it for yourself. So I felt that to build the yeshiva... That's for you, it's not going to work. He says, this time I see you're much more level-headed. You thought out that you're doing it lishma. If you do it lishma, you're going to be matzliach. So again, any project that we do lishma, we're going to have siyata dishmaya. Who doesn't want that? Who can't use that? Hazal tell us in Perkei Avot, 
כל העוסק בתורה לשמה, whoever learns תורה לשמה, זוכה לדברים הרבה, he's going to have tremendous merit, ומגלים לו רזי התורה, he's going to know the secrets of the Torah, when you're learning Torah, if you can get to the secrets, that's awesome, most people that learn can get to the secrets, but if you learn Torah לשמה, all of a sudden, the wisdom is opening up to you, Hazal say, כל הלומי תורה לשמה, if you learn Torah לשמה, נהנים ממנו עצה ותושייה. He's a person that can give great advice. That means he has such clarity in his learning that when people come to ask him a question about their life, he can help them. But you have to learn Torah לשמה. What is Torah לשמה? What does that mean? How do you do anything לשמה? What does לשמה mean? How do I know the lishma of each item? So I'm going to tell you one simple formula. You could take it through and through. From beginning to end. Something called lishma. Lishma means very simple. Very simple. You do something because Hashem said. And that's it. No other reason whatsoever. Why are you keeping Shabbat? Your Shabbat could be very powerful. Or, maybe not as powerful. Lishma is when you keep Shabbat because Hashem said. Now, that's not so easy. Especially when you become a greater person. Actually, the greater the person, the more difficult it is to become Lishma. Why? Because when you first started keeping Shabbat, maybe it was a struggle for you. Maybe you felt you were sacrificing, you were giving up. You're this or you're that. And it was hard. And if I would ask you then, so why are you keeping Shabbat now? You'd say, listen, that's what Hashem said, what should I do? But as you keep Shabbat, and especially if you keep Shabbat the right way, then you start realizing, Shabbat, I love this day. What do you mean? I wait for Shabbat. From Shabbat to Shabbat, I'm waiting for Shabbat. I love Shabbat. I love it. The more you keep Shabbat properly, the more you love it. So now what happens? Someone tells you, so why do you keep Shabbat? You say, Shabbat? It's gorgeous. It's awesome. I love the Shabbat. I love the family coming together. I love Friday night dinner. I love going to shul. I love going to shiurim. I love to sleep. I love to read Tehillim. I love the food. The kibbeh tastes better on Shabbat. Everything. I love Shabbat. Are you kidding me? Why do I keep Shabbat? Because I love it. Go to, go to a young man who starts learning Torah for the first time in his life or in the early infant stages of his learning. See how, why are you learning? Because Hashem said, I have to learn. What does that mean? It's a mitzvah. He's breaking his teeth on it. He doesn't understand the word. Until he figures something out, then he forgets the next item. It's not going, not so enjoyable. That's when you first start learning. But as you continue to learn, you actually start to love learning. You love it more than anything else. There's nothing sweeter than learning. You love it. So now somebody asked you, so let me ask you, I saw you learning for the last three hours of it. What are you doing? Why are you learning? Is it why I'm learning? I love it. It's awesome. It's like, I can't explain to you the pleasure. 
Whatever pleasure you can think of, it's more than that. Oh, not lishma. Not lishma. Kol hagadol mehavero. Hazal tell us, whoever is greater than his friend, Yitzro gadol emenu. His Yetzer Hara is also greater. I will offer an explanation. Why is your Yetzirah greater when you become greater? Shouldn't it become easier? What do you mean? When I keep Shabbat more, doesn't it become easier? When I learn Torah more, doesn't it become easier? When I do things the right way, doesn't it become easier? What are you talking about? It becomes more enjoyable. So why is it? And what do they mean by that? That the greater you become, the harder it becomes. It's not true. The greater you, you think Hamavadia used to struggle to sit down and learn Torah. He loves it. He can't put it down. What do you mean it's harder? It's not harder. It's easier. It's harder to be Lishma. Because when you start enjoying it, so you do it because you enjoy it. Not because Hashem told you. And that's not lishma. In my opinion, having a kibbeh on Friday night is very hard to be lishma, especially if you love kibbeh. Very hard to say, "Oh, I'm eating the kibbeh right now because Hashem said." Very hard. You have good challah that you just baked. Very hard to be lishma on that challah. You love it. Love it. Yeah. When you become greater at something, your yetzerah is bigger because you enjoy it so much more. So your lishma becomes so much more difficult. In anything, in anything and everything that you do, the more you do it, the better you're at it, the more difficult the lishma becomes. And when you lost your lishma, you lost your siyata dashmaya. Now some of you might be sitting here and saying, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Time out. Time out. Are you saying that you're not supposed to be enjoying Shabbat? Are you saying that we're not supposed to be enjoying the mitzvot? Am I not supposed to be enjoying learning Torah? Am I not supposed to be enjoying being a mother for my children? Guess what? That's also lishma. Why do you take care of your children? Because I love my children. X, wrong. Because Hashem said. Because Hashem wants me to take care of my children. But, but I love taking care of my children. So I'm not supposed to love that? Is, is that what you're telling me now? Are you telling me that we're not supposed to love being a Torah Jew. Is that the message that we just learned? So actually, believe it or not, it's not at all what we're saying. In fact, it's the opposite. The Pasuk says in Yeshaya, interesting Pasuk, Hashem says to Am Yisrael, you people 
You're not calling out to me. You're not serving me. You know why? Because you're exhausted serving me. So our rabbis ask, the Magid Medumna over here brings a beautiful explanation. What does that mean? If you say they're exhausted serving Hashem, how can he start by saying, you're not serving me? What does that mean? If they're not serving him, then how could they be exhausted serving him? How does that make sense? The Magid Medumna brings one of the most beautiful Mishalim that he writes. He says that one time there was a man, he was coming home late Friday afternoon, right before Shabbat, he's rushing, gets home 10 minutes before Shabbat, he needs to go shower, change, rush, go to shul. He sees somebody by the door, somebody, his helper, he doesn't do me a favor, I have to go upstairs to get ready. Bring the box in the house. In the car, there's a box, bring it in the house. Says, of course, no problem. He goes upstairs, takes care of himself, comes back down, 10 minutes later. He sees his help come back. He's huffing and puffing, <sighs> sweating. He says, what happened? He says, Baruch Hashem, like you asked, I put the box away. It's all good. The guy tells him, you got the wrong box. He says, how do you know? You weren't even here. You were upstairs the whole time. You didn't even see me go to the car and get the box. How do you know I got the wrong box? Who told you? He told him, if you're sweating like that, you must have taken the wrong box because my box was a small little box with diamond in it. If you're sweating from my box, you must have taken the wrong box because my box wasn't that heavy. Says the Magid Miduvna, the Pasuk says, Hashem says to Am Yisrael, you're not serving me. You know why? Because you're exhausted serving me. If you're exhausted serving me, it means you're doing something wrong. If you're not enjoying your Shabbat, you're doing something wrong. Reminds me of a story, happened to me about 12 years ago. One time I started learning with somebody. Someone who I knew was not Shomer Shabbat. I'm sure I told you the story before, but it's appropriate for this class, so even if you heard it, it's a good addition. It's a true story. So I'm learning with this person once a week, more or less once a week. We used to learn in my house at 11 p.m. That was the time I had for him. Half hour every week, once. And I knew this person was not Shomer Shabbat. He didn't grow up Shomer Shabbat. He's not just like a regular Syrian, wasn't so religious. He didn't grow up with any religion, zero. But I never brought up to him I figured there's, there's, there's no point to do that. I was just learning with him. He comes to me about maybe May or April, April time. He says, Rabbi, so what do you think of Shabbat? This is the way he brings it up to me. What do I think of Shabbat? How do I answer that? What do I think of Shabbat? I told him, I think Shabbat's beautiful. Shabbat's great. Nothing like it. He said, you think I could do it? I said, for sure. You'd love it. You should try it. 
I don't want to go too hard on him. I, I didn't even follow up with him on that issue. He did his thing. I don't know what he was doing. Fast forward to July. I'm right here in Deal Shul after maybe it's at 12 o'clock or so on Shabbat morning. I'm walking back to Long Branch. I have a long walk to Long Branch. And that specific Shabbat, I had to stop by Lawrence Avenue Shul. I never do that. It's a little bit of a diversion off my derech, but I had to go for something over there. I see this guy, I haven't seen him in a month or so at that time. I see him on the corner of Ocean, of Ocean Avenue and Lawrence Avenue. And we give each other a hug, and we're talking, how's life, how's things? So he tells me, Rabbi, I want to tell you this Shabbat item. He says, it's really nice. He says, I tell you, I, he says, um, I don't know, there's so much that I was missing out on. I mean, the, the Shabbat, the Kiddush, the, the, the shul in the morning, I go to class. I, he's telling me the beauty of Shabbat. He says, but I got to tell you the truth. I got to tell you the truth. He says, some of Shabbat is very hard for me. I'm just saying. It's very hard for me. And he says, and Rabbi, I want to tell you something. I don't even do Shabbat 50% of what you do. And it's still hard for me. He says, I think about you. If I kept your Shabbat, it'd be impossible. He says, I only do 50%. And this is the Shabbat. I struggle with certain things. Imagine I would do it like you. I don't know how you do it. Now sometimes in life Hashem throws you a pitch and you better swing because this is your opportunity. I told him, I want to tell you something. I said, I wasn't going to tell you anything, but now that you spoke, he said, you remind me of a story. There's a story of a woman who on Erev Shabbat went to visit her friend, a neighbor down the hall. She walks into her house and she smells the smell of Gan Eden in the house. She follows the Gan Eden smell into the kitchen. She sees the most beautiful, beautiful cookie. Cookies baked for Shabbat. She takes a bite. Wow. Amazing. She tells her friend, what is this? She says, that's a new recipe that I got. It's unbelievable. It's... She says, would you give me the recipe? She says, of course. She takes a card, she writes the recipe for her, and she gives her the card. The next Shabbat, of course, she's very excited to bake for Shabbat. She's going to make the cookie exactly like the, her friend did. Her friend came to visit her this time. Right before Shabbat, she walks into the apartment, and it smells like Gehinam in there. And she follows Gehinam all the way into the kitchen. And the most hideous looking cookies you could imagine sitting on a tray and she takes a little bite it's even worse than they look it's horrible and her friend with an angry face is just watching her tasting it she says to her you know you're really you're not nice you don't want to give me the recipe which women usually don't like to give recipes Okay, they always leave one item out. <laughs> but okay, if you don't want to give the recipe, so don't give it to me. What are you giving me the wrong recipe? She says, I gave you the recipe, the same one I use. She says, tell me, are you sure? Are you sure you use the right recipe? She says, sure. I'll tell you better. 
I only followed 50% of your recipe. And look what came out. Could you imagine? I would have followed it 100%. What kind of cookies would have came out? If this came out at 50, what would have come out at 100? Now, if you were there, you would probably start crying, either from laughter or from hazitness. What are you talking about? I told the guy, I don't understand you. 50% of Shabbat, you're struggling. You think 100% you're going to struggle? The creator of the world says, this is Shabbat. This is how it works. This is what you do. That's the recipe. And if you're not enjoying and loving the Shabbat, there's something wrong. If you're not enjoying Torah learning, there's something wrong. If you're not enjoying life as a Torah Jew, there's something wrong. Again, there are challenges in life. No one's going to take those away. That's not what I mean. I don't mean life will be simple, easy, you just sit on a chair all day and things happen for you. That's not what I mean. But at the end of the day, after all your hard work and your toil and your challenges, if you're not loving being a Torah Jew, you're doing it wrong. There's something wrong with the way you're doing it. You're obviously not following the formula. That's what Hashem tells Am Yisrael. If you're sweating too much, then you have the wrong box. My box is not that. You picked up the wrong item. So am I saying that we shouldn't be enjoying our Avodat Hashem? God forbid. The Mesilah Yesharim says that the purpose of creation is Lehit Aneg. Lehit Aneg means to enjoy. So again I say, if you're not enjoying, there's something wrong. You're not doing it right. Don't blame the system. You may not be doing it the right way. You must not be doing it the right way. Maybe you're doing 50%. Maybe you're doing 30%. Maybe your focus is not there. The box is not heavy. The box is enjoyable. So now it's really confusing. So one second. Let's, re let's review what we just learned. If you're not enjoying your Avodat Hashem, then you're doing something wrong. But if you're doing your mitzvot because you enjoy it, then you're not lishma. How does that work? It's very simple. When you do something, your intention, even though you know it's enjoyable, but why are you doing it? What's in your mind when Shabbat starts? Why are you cooking for your husband and your children? Why are you helping that person? Why are you taking care of your parents? Why are you going to work? Why are you doing anything that you do? Why are you doing it? Certainly you're expecting the pleasure. But why do you do it? What's your intention? 
Lishma means you're doing it because Hashem said. Whether I enjoy it, I don't enjoy it, it doesn't make a difference. That's not why I'm doing it. That's what Hashem told Abraham Avinu. Hithalech lefanai tamim. Hashem tells Abraham Avinu, Hithalech walk lefanai before me, tamim, and be complete. What does it mean to be complete? It means that when I tell you to do something, tamim, do it complete. Because I told you. Ashre temi medarech. We say in Tehillim 119. Fortunate, ashre, fortunate are the temi medarech. That when they do something, they do it wholeheartedly. By the way, I'll tell you a little secret. The more lishma you do it, the more you enjoy it. And the less lishma, the less you enjoy it. Interesting. The more you do it for the pleasure, the less you will enjoy it. The more you do it, not for the pleasure, but for what Hashem said, the more actually you will enjoy it. It says, Adam ubhema toshia Adonai. Hashem, you sent salvation to an Adam and to a behema. What does that mean, to Adam and a behema? Hazal say that what? Elu bene Adam, these are bene Adam, shehem arumim bedaat, umesimim atzmam kebehema. Who does Hashem send the salvation? Toshia, you know who? Adam ubehema, it's not two, it's the same person. It's a person who's an Adam, a great person, understands right from wrong, knows the beauty of what he's doing. He's an Adam, but he's a behemah. When he's told, he acts like a behemah. Like he doesn't know anything. He knows what this is. He knows how great this is. He knows how beautiful this is. He's an Adam. He's full of chokhmah. He knows the beauty of the Shabbat, the beauty of learning, the beauty of mitzvah. He knows. He's an Adam. But he acts like a behemah. A behemah has no sechel. You tell him to do, he does. When Hashem tells us to do something, we have to know that Hashem told us that yes, you can't be blind to that. But once you know Hashem wants this from you, then you are like a behemoth. It doesn't matter. What's going to come, what's going to be, how much are we going to enjoy? That should not be part of the formula whatsoever. This was, by the way, one of the tests of Abraham Avinu. One of the tests of Abraham Avinu happens to be a test that is impossible to understand why it's a test. We all know about it. It's the Nisayon of Lech Lecha. Lech Lecha, basically, Hashem told Abraham Avinu, listen, it's time to move. Leave your country, Leave your people, leave your family. You get up and you move. You must relocate. What does, that, what does Abraham do? He gets up and he, he relocates. So on the surface, 
if you're reading it, especially if you're a younger person, you say, oh, wow. Someone tells you, if someone tells me right now, I should move my house from where I live and move elsewhere, that's, that's not so easy. But the truth is, it's also not so hard. You know how many millions of people move in this country every year? It's one of the biggest businesses. If you own a moving truck, you're doing great. You're booked, they're booked for months. People are moving all the time. So I'm not saying it's easy to move, but at the same time, if millions of people are relocating every year, it can't be one of the greatest nisyonot that Abraham Avinu had in his life. That we sit every year and we highlight, ooh, look at my father, Abraham, my patriarch. You know what he did? He moved. You're going to have hundreds of millions of people getting up and saying, well, my grandpa also moved. What's the big deal? That's the item. You know, when Abraham was willing to go to the furnace of fire, the Torah doesn't report it. It's not even on the list. In the Torah, you don't see it. It's hinted to. They threw him into a fire because he wouldn't bow to idols. That's not even listed. This one is such a big one because he relocated. And if, you, if you're not convinced yet, let me make sure you're convinced 100%. Hashem tells him, by the way, go to where I'm going to show you. You're going to become a great nation. You're going to have beracha. Hashem tells him, you're going to have children. How long are you waiting for children for? How many years? 30 years? 40 years? 50 years? You know what? Relocate. You're going to have a child. You're going to be famous. You're going to be influential. You're going to be wealthy. You're going to have beracha. Can I ask you? Who would not go? Which person you would... If a person doesn't go... Imagine, Lo Aleinu, you have a couple who's married for four years, five years, ten years, no child. If someone would tell them to move to Antarctica, they will move. So, what is the big deal? He's got to be nuts not to go. And again, we get up, his children, his grandchildren, we say, look at our grandpa, Abraham. Look, look how special he is. He definitely was special. But I wouldn't say this is one of the specialties. If he didn't go, we would say the man lost his mind. Who wouldn't do it? It's a very big question. Again, relocating is hard, but it's done many times. Relocating for beracha, for things that you desperately are looking for and want, everybody would do it. Why is that an isayon? Now I want you to listen to the words of the Torah. The Torah says, after Hashem told him, Lech lecha, go. Go for yourself, for your benefit. It says, Vayelech Avram. Avram went. Beautiful. Meaning, he followed the order. He went. Ka'asher diber elav Adonai. He went like Hashem told him. Now, those words are completely unnecessary. If we see that Hashem told him, and then he went, if I tell you, go now to the corner store, 
And right away, you go to the corner store. So guess what? You did what I told you. You don't have to say, and he went like God told him. We already know that God told him. So if he went, that's why he went. Why does the Pasuk say, he went like Hashem told him? Because that was the Nisayon. Remember we said it's so obvious to go? It's for your benefit. You're going to enjoy. It's the things you were looking for. That was the Nisayon. Are you going to go because of the benefits that you know that you're going to get because God promised you? Or are you going to go because Hashem said? Are you going to keep Shabbat because you love it? Or are you going to keep Shabbat because Hashem said? I know you love that kibbeh. I know. Are you going to eat it because you love it? Or are you going to eat it because Hashem said? The greater you are, the more you enjoy, the bigger the nisayon. Hashem put Abraham through a very difficult nisayon. Not if he would go or not. Of course he's going to go. But how is he going to go? What's going to be? Is he going to go lishma? Is he going to go because of the benefits Hashem promised him? Or is he going because Hashem said? That was the Nisayon. If Hashem didn't promise him anything, then of course he would go because Hashem said. There's no other reason. But here Hashem gave him a good reason. And that was his Nisayon. That was his test. I'd like to go over with you for a few minutes. What is called lo lishma? We're, we're talking about lishma. I want to give you examples of what is it when you do something and it's not lishma. What's not lishma? So from there we could learn more about ourselves and more how to elevate ourselves. What does it mean? I do something and it's not lishma. Could you give me an example? Example number one is I'm doing something because I want to get honor. I'm giving charity because I want people to talk about me, that I'm special. I am giving somebody help because one day I want that person to help me. I'm going to do something good today because one day my daughter needs a shidduch. So when my name comes up, I want to make sure they say I'm a good person. So I can't just wake up one day and just be a good person. I have to prove myself. So therefore, I'm going to do something so I can get either money, respect, Shem Tov. All that's called Lolishma. If you're doing something good in your life because you want something back physically from it, it's not Lishma. Let's say... I'm doing something, I'm doing a mitzvah, I'm giving tzedakah, I don't want respect in this world. In fact, I'm doing it basetev, I'm doing it quietly, nobody should know. I'm just doing it so Hashem can reward me in olam haba. That's called lo lishma. Also not lishma. Many people will be a little bit disturbed by that. Yeah, I'm pure. I am pure motivation. I'm just doing it.
for olam haba. Not lishma. Because you're doing it for something for yourself. Okay, it's not physical. It's better than the first guy. There's levels of lo lishma. The first guy, not so good. This one is a lot better. But it's still under the bracket of lo lishma. What if someone tells you, I'm not doing it for any kind of physical return. I'm not doing it for reward in the next world. I'm doing it to get close to Hashem. I want to be close to Hashem. What is that? Lolishma. Also Lolishma. Because there's no greater pleasure in life than to be close to Hashem. So one more time, here you are, doing something for yourself. It's also called Lolishma. By the way, let me throw in a little something that's going to confuse you. Even if you do lishma, not lishma, it's also not lishma. You go to this class, and you say, wow, this lishma item is a good item. Do it, because Hashem said. Then you have siyadah dishma'ya. So I'm doing it lishma, so I can have siyadah dishma'ya. That's also not lishma. Okay? All the, now again, it doesn't mean that any of these things are bad. Hazal tell us, mitoch shelo lishma, ba lishma. Of course, if a person needs a crutch, they need to give money and get a little respect out of it, but hopefully they're going to graduate to lishma. Good. You're keeping Shabbat because you enjoy it? Good. Hopefully one day you'll graduate. A hundred percent. There's levels. We're not saying you're a zero, you're not accomplishing because you're not lishma. I'm not saying that. But today, we're coming to talk about siyata dishmaya. And to get siyata dishmaya, we need lishma. So we need to know what lishma is. In our life, we have to start elevating ourselves. To raise our lishma. We have to know what's not lishma. Chances are, the people in this room, I don't know if we've ever done a mishma lishma, to be honest with you. Because there's always something in our mind. We're raising our children. We're giving them everything. You know what kind of hesed that is? Lishma? I don't know. Why are you doing it? Well, I love my children. I love seeing them happy. I want to give them. Okay, not lishma. It's not lishma. The only lishma there is is when you're doing it, lishma, because Hashem said. It's not so easy. It's not so easy. But it's possible. And you may not be able to start where everything in your life turns to lishma. Probably not going to happen. But even if you do one thing a day, lishma, it's a big, big accomplishment. One thing, maybe 20 seconds, Lishma. Do one thing a day. Lishma. And start practicing a lishma. Step by step, you raise yourself to a whole new person. By the way, being a lishma person is very helpful in another way. Besides siyata lishma, you know, sometimes in life, even if you enjoy something, once in a while you're not in the mood. I mean, I enjoy helping my parents. I'm not in the mood today. I mean, I enjoy learning. But today, I'm just not in the mood. 
I enjoy, I enjoy tefillah. I love it. Today I'm not so in the mood. Now, if you're a lishma person, it doesn't matter. It's not about that. Because life has mood swings. Not every Shabbat is easy to keep. You will have a Shabbat in your life that's hard to keep. Or you'll have a situation where you feel, I need to little, cut the corner a little bit. Maybe it's a big you know, trade show, or maybe it's a little uh, thing that you need to do because they have a party in your house. And I don't know, there's things in life sometimes that happens. It happens when sometimes the beauty of Shabbat seems to be far away from what you're trying to accomplish. Lishma protects you from that. If you're Lishma, it doesn't matter. That's not why I do it. And I will reiterate again. When you do something Lishma, it actually brings the greatest Ta'anug, the greatest pleasure. Now some people might be asking over here themselves, I try to anticipate your questions. One second. So if I can't do it for personal gain, not physical and not spiritual, I can't even do it to get close to Hashem. Can't do it. So why would I do it? So what am I doing? So the answer is, you're doing it because you owe a tremendous amount of gratitude to the Creator that made you and continues to give you on a daily basis everything that you have. And every day the bills are getting higher. When a person's struggling, they can't pay their bills, just they keep putting bills and more bills and more bills and more bills and more bills. And it becomes overwhelming. You just, I don't have enough to pay the bills. And they just keep coming. If you are aware of what Hashem is doing for you every day, you know that your bills are stacking very high and you don't have any way to pay. There is no way to pay. And being a giver that you are, you can't handle someone that keeps giving you and giving you and you can't pay. If you're a taker, you're never going to get enough. If you have a young boy who's a taker, his father gets him a car, he says, Dad, only that? Am I not worth more than that? You're only taking us on vacation here? You don't think I deserve that? That's what a taker does. A taker, there's not enough that you can give him that's enough. A giver, you give him the smallest thing, he can't handle it. He says, what do I need to give you? I, I got to give you back. I, I can't. You do me all these favors. Hashem set the world up in a way where if you are a giver, you will have hakaratatov. And Hashem says, you know how much I'm doing for you? I want you to keep Shabbat for me. By the way, Hashem doesn't need my Shabbat or your Shabbat. Hashem is fine without us. This is all a game. God forbid. It's like a game. He say, do it for me. Just do it for me. Really, it's for you. But He knows that sometimes you're not so in tune with what's good for you. So He says, do it for me. Do it for me. Like a father tells his son, 
have a great report card, I'm going to give you a big prize, do it for me. You think the father needs the report card? It's for the kid, but the kid's not understanding that he needs to do something. So Hashem, he said, the father plays a little game, do it for me, do it for me. You owe me, right? Do it for me. I'll give you something back. Hashem says, do it for me. You know, even everything I just told you, people have a hard time with it. So just do it because Hashem said. So I like to give a mashab. When you give this mashab, people start giving faces. So I'm ready for your faces. Your mother's taking care of you for 50 years. She gave birth to you, she was pregnant with you. She, she fed you, she changed your diapers, she put up with your nonsense, she dealt with you when you were in jail, I don't know, whatever it is, okay? She, she just did everything for you. And you were an easy kid, and maybe a more difficult adult. And now 50 years later, your mother gets on the phone and says, can you do me a favor? There's a foot of snow outside my door. Could you come shovel me out? I have to go somewhere. And you say, Mom, of course. I'll be right off. But wait, what are you going to give me? How much are you going to pay me for this? Now, if someone would actually do that, you would say, that person has got to be from the lowest levels of humanity. And why? Why shouldn't you get something for working hard like shoveling snow? What's so bad if you're asking for money? What's the problem? You're working hard. Why else would you do it if not for some reason? And of course the answer would say, do you know how much you owe your mother? You think you paid up the bills from last week? From last year? You think you paid up? That you're asking what else you're gonna give me? Are you kidding? First pay your bills. And then we could talk about the new compensation. That's exactly how it is, but much more. If that is ridiculous to you, how much more is it ridiculous that if Hashem says, do this, I want you to do it for me. And you say, why would I do it for you? Who are you? Why am I doing it for you? If you say that, then you really don't have your, your, your values aligned properly. You're missing something. Nahat Ruah. You know, I saw the other day a rabbi who told me he was so impressed by a young man who he interviewed him for, for yeshiva. So the, the rabbi asked the young man, so tell me, like, what do you, like, what do you want to be in your life? What is it? What are, what's your goals? Now, if somebody asked me that if I was 18 or 19, I would have a few answers. And I'm sure he would have some too. And listen to this answer. He tells the rabbi, he says, my goal is to bring nahat ruach to Hashem. My goal is that Hashem should be proud of me. That's a beautiful answer. That's called lishma. Hashem, you asked I want to do it for you. Never mind that I'm loving it, that it's really for me anyway. That's not why I'm doing it. You know, how do you know 
Is there other situations in life that you could really test your lishma? I'm going to give you an example. Let's talk about the Akedah. The Akedah was, as you know, the 10th, and according to most Rishonim, the most difficult Nisayon of Avraham Avinu. If anybody would ask you, what was so hard about the Akedah? Hashem tells Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. What was so hard about that? What was so big about that? And of course, everyone would say, what do you mean? Take my son, the one that I love, my only son, and sacrifice him and kill him? That's impossible. That's so hard. If you think that's the Nisayon of the Akedah, then you're really selling Abraham so short. You know why? Because you know how many people right now in the world, right now as we speak, are willing to give up their son or daughter for a suicide mission? They're ready. And they're proud. You think Abraham is less than a terrorist living in Gaza? That when God says, give me your son, he's going to say no. The mother in Gaza says no problem, and Abraham is going to say no. That's really the Nisayon of Abraham Avinu, to kill his son. People are doing it all the time. So then what is the Nisayon? What was the Nisayon of Abraham? Abraham Avinu was a man who lived in the time of idol worship. Abraham Avinu spent his whole life teaching humanity about the kindness of God, about the compassion of God, about treating God's children with respect and honor. He fought the idol worshipers who at the time used to sacrifice their children to the idol. In fact, the Torah warns us about this idol worship called Molech. It was so prevalent, this idol worship, that even the Jewish people in Eretz Yisrael were pulled by it, believe it or not. People used to take their children and burn them to serve the idol. Hard to believe. But people did that. Abraham spent his life teaching humanity that's not the way you serve God. What are you guys doing? And on and on and on. He was doing that for a hundred years and more. A hundred years he's running this organization that has made humanity a new look, a new face. Comes Abraham Avinu. Hashem tells him, I want you to sacrifice your son. Everything that he's been taught and was teaching, all the values, the things that he told people, this is not bringing you close to God, this is removing you from God. 
You think you're coming close to God by offering your child? You're becoming further from God. You're acting with cruelty. You're doing opposite of what God wants. What are you doing? What does God tell him now? Sacrifice your son. That's against everything that I've been teaching. And besides, Borei Olam, didn't you promise Ki that my future children are coming from this boy? Oh, so now you also don't tell the truth. I don't understand. You promised me. You said this boy, Yitzhak. And guess what? Hashem gave him three days to think about it. You know what's gone through his mind in three days? I can't believe this. What is this? Does it make sense? I don't understand. How can I do this? The Akedah went against the entire value system of Abraham Avinu. But he did it. You know why he did it? Because it's Lishma. Because probably the biggest test of Lishma is when you're asked something to do. For example, if I ask you to do something and you're not going to get personal reward, it's easier to be Lishma. If you're not going to get reward in the next world, easier to be Lishma. If you're not going to get close to God, in this situation, he's removing himself from God. He's becoming a worse human being, kind of, by doing something that's against, really, the normal values. And he's still willing to do it. That's called Lishma. Lishma, even when things seem to be against, again, you have to know that God asked you. That's all you have to know. But if you know, it doesn't make a difference. And by the way, this is why, what's the greatest, what's the greatest act that Moshe Rabbeinu did in his life? The greatest act. So I don't know if this is it, but in the end of the Torah, the last pasuk, Hashem gives a eulogy about Moshe Rabbeinu, about his great accomplishments. For example, he talks about the Yad Hazakah, that's referring to the Torah that he carried down with a strong hand. He talks about the miracles in the desert, Uchol Hamora HaGadol, and they're leading up to the great higher and higher. And what's the last pasuk in the Torah? The act that Moshe Rabbeinu did in front of the entire nation. What was that? Says Rashi. That he broke the Luhot. The greatest accomplishment of Moshe Rabbeinu's life is when he came down, he saw the Egel and he broke the Luhot. That's the greatest accomplishment of Moshe Rabbeinu's life. Why is that better than bringing the Torah down? The second time. Why does that beat anything else? The answer is because Moshe Rabbeinu's whole life mission was to bring the Torah to Am Yisrael. That's what he lived for. That's what he worked for. That's what he sacrificed for. And now he saw by the Egel, he needs to break it. That's the right thing to do. But wait, your whole dreams are up in the air now. You're going backwards now. You're trying to bring closer people close to God. This is going to go further. 
You're breaking the luchot. He doesn't know he's getting another one. How do you do that? You're going against the direction that you're trying to get close to Hashem. It doesn't matter. But that's what Hashem wants from you. That's what you do. Even if it brings you away from God. That's the greatest accomplishment of Moshe Rabbeinu's life. Because that was a lishma. That wasn't anything like it. With all this, I just want to explain to you that it has very much to do with the parasha we just read. And then we'll end. In this week's parasha we read about the para aduma. The para aduma is a red cow that they burn the cow, they take the ashes, they mix it with water, and they sprinkle on anybody who is tameh met. Someone who comes into contact with a dead body becomes tameh. This tum'ah has only one solution. This, the ashes of the para aduma. That's why today we're all tameh. Because we all were in a room with a met, we're in a hospital with a met, we touched the met, and automatically, tameh. And there's no solution today. Because we don't have paraduma. The only way to get rid of tumat met is paraduma. Now, the truth is, it's hard to understand, you know, tumah brings you further from God. Tahara brings you closer. It's hard to understand why a person who's involved with metim, he becomes tameh. We're not talking about a guy killed him only. You have the Hevra Kaddishah, these people are angels. They're helping Hesed Shel Emet, they're helping people. They come back, oh, you're Tameh. What? I just did the holiest act. I helped a person who has no one to help him. But you're Tameh. How could that be? The Midrash says, there's interesting Midrash. The Midrash says, Lo Hamet Metameh. Says the Midrash, don't think the dead body is causing Tum'ah. And don't think the water is making the Tahara. Don't think that. So, so what is that? The Midrash goes on to say, and I'll explain outside. Let's look for a moment. Where did Mita come from? Death. Where did it come from? You know, everything you build in life has raw material. This table I'm sitting next to has material, they put it together, they made a table. This building had raw material, they put it together, they made a building. What was the raw material that made death? Believe it or not, death was not part of the original plan of creation. When Adam Arishon was put in Gan Eden, there was no death. Hashem told him, Adam, listen, you can eat whatever you want here. But I am commanding you, do not eat from that fruit. Then Nahash came to Adam and said, listen, I'm just telling you, what's your, what's your goal in life, Adam? My goal? To be close to God. He said, I'm telling you, if you eat from this fruit and you beat the ra, it's true it's going to give you a challenge, this fruit, because it's going to put ra in you, but if you're going to eat it and you, and you will triumph over the ra, you will become even closer to God. Wow. Adam said, it's awesome. Makes sense. I like it. He goes and he eats it. 
Hashem tells him, one second. He says, Adam, did you? Look at the words Hashem says. Hamin ha'etz asher tziviticha lebilti achol memenu achalta. Hashem, when he sees him, he doesn't ask him, did you eat from the fruit? He doesn't ask him that. Did you eat from the fruit that I commanded you not to eat? I know you had L'shem Shamayim, you thought of great ideas of why it's really going to be good for you, that you're going to become greater. Hazak Baruch. I told you not to eat it. For that, death came onto the world. That means the building blocks of death is a person who doesn't follow Ritzon Hashem. If Hashem tells you and you don't do it, that's where death comes from. That's where Tum'ah of Mitah comes. It's not the body itself that's making you Tameh. Mitah itself is coming from Tum'ah. Mitah comes from a person who doesn't follow Hashem's Ratzon. Good intentions, bad intentions, it doesn't matter. That's what Mitah is. That's why you become Tameh. So how does the para aduma fix that? Why is the para aduma the way to make the tameh tahor? Listen to this beauty. The halakha says that those people involved in the ashes of the para aduma all become tameh. They're tahor. They started beauty. They're close to God. They're pure. They're Working with the para aduma, ask him, why are you working with Baba? Hazid is a guy that needs, needs Tameh. I'm trying to help him become Tahor. I want to bring him close to Hashem. And guess what happens to them? They become Tameh. What? The guy who became Tameh is Tameh, becomes Tahor. And the people who are working with the para aduma, they become Tameh. That is called Lishma. Could you imagine? You're helping someone get close to God. And at the same time, you are becoming further from God. What are you gaining from this? Closeness to Hashem? No, the opposite. You're going backwards. What are you gaining from this? That's the answer. The answer to Tum'ah is Para'aduma is a person who's doing it because Hashem said. There's nothing to gain. There's no money to gain from the Paraduma. There's no kavod from the Paraduma. There's not even a closeness to Hashem that you can gain. The opposite. You're becoming tamer. Things that you could have eaten before now you can't eat. Places you can go, you can't go. You become tamer. You have to leave the Bet HaMikdash. What are you gaining? You're not gaining anything. Not physical, not spiritual. That is the fix of the met. Tum'at met came because of a person who didn't follow Ratzon Hashem. Para Aduma is the classic example of doing something that is lishma. You have nothing to gain, not physically, not spiritually. And that's why it's also coming to fix the Heta Egel. Because Hazal tell us that when Am Yisrael said, Na'aseve Nishma, you know Na'aseve Nishma is? People think Na'aseve Nishma means Am Yisrael trusted Hashem. It's true, but it's deeper than that. They said, Na'aseh We don't care. Why? What? 
you just tell us what to do. That, you know what it did? Hazal tell us, that fixed the sin of Adam Rishon. And Am Yisrael, when they said, Naaseh ben Ishma, there was no more mita done. They came back to the level of people who were doing things only because Hashem said finish. Until the Egel. The Egel again. They had a big nisayon by the Egel. They knew how to figure out how to... Moshe Ben was gone. Their connection to Hashem is gone. They needed something. They knew how to do something that's going to bring them closer to God. They thought they're doing something spiritual. They followed their logic, which made sense. But Hashem didn't say. They did it. And that was again back to Mita. That's what Hazal say. The para aduma comes to fix the Egel. It's the same thing. Because the Egel and Adam Arishon were both the same problem. They were both people doing something for a good reason, but it wasn't what Hashem said. So it's not Lishma. And comes the para aduma and fixes it. This is the specialty of our people. You should know. What's special about our people, Am Yisrael, in Shira Shirim, Hashem calls us Tamati. Tamati, Hazal say, you are the nation that follows me. That you are Lishma. You do exactly what I say. And that's why the famous story, you all know the famous story of Dama ben Netina, that Goy that was so good at honoring his parents. He was the example that Hazal give us in Masechet Kiddushin of a man who honored his parents. He wouldn't wake up his father even though he could have made a lot of money. What did Hashem reward him with? What did Hashem reward Dama ben Netina for honoring his parents? He rewarded him with a para aduma. And Am Yisrael had to go buy from him with a lot of money a para aduma. There's not that many para adumas in the world. There's only been nine in history. So imagine how much money they were paying. Question Why would Dama ben Netina get awarded with the para aduma? What does that have to do with him? Why him? Why that? The Hidushay Harim said it's a message to Dama ben Netina. You're doing beautifully. Kibud Ava'em, you're awesome, you're great. But just know, there's one thing that Am Yisrael has an edge. It's the para aduma, it's the lishma. It's doing things that maybe you don't understand. Honoring parents, that's easy, you understand it, it's natural. But the things you don't understand, that's one step above. And that's what it says, Moshe Rabbeinu, and I end. When Moshe Rabbeinu tells Am Yisrael that one day the Goyim are going to look at Am Yisrael, he says, listen to these words. He says, Ushmartem va'asitem, keep my mitzvot, ki hi chokhmatchem ubinatchem amim. The nations will look at you and say, wow, what a nation of wisdom. Asher yishme'un. When will the nations of the world say that Am Yisrael is so awesome, so wise? Asher yishme'un, when they hear 
את כל החוקים האלה. When they will hear all the חוקים, what are חוקים? Those are the mitzvot that we don't know the reason. When the nations hear the חוקים, and they see that we're doing the חוקים, ואמרו, they say, רק עם חכם ונבון הגוי הגדול הזה. This is the greatness of our people. It's something, if you're sitting in this class and you think this is maybe a little bit above your pay grade, it's not. Because we are the children of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. We are the children of those people who stood by Har Sinai and said, Na'aseh v'nishma. We have something within us that we can become this. Maybe not overnight. Maybe it needs to be practiced. But at least a few times a day to do things lishma. Hashem, I'm doing it because you told me. I want to give you nacht like I give my father, like I give my mother. Because I want to make them proud of me. I want to give you that. That's why I'm doing this. And with that, a person starts to expand and becomes a lishma Jew. And when you become a lishma Jew, then all of a sudden you have sha'are siyata dishmayah. You have siyata dishmayah in what you do. There's a formula here. Be'ezrat Hashem, I bless all of us that we should be zokheh, to live a life that's full of siyata dishmayah in all that we do. Amen ve'amen.